I want to continue today in part four of the book of Acts and we're going to work through this transition. But let me ask the Lord to help me today. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I worship you and I praise you. And today, Lord, I just want to pray, Lord, your anointing on your word. I know the words are already anointed. We are reading the Holy Scriptures. And even if I just read the Bible today, close it and walk out of here. And don't say any word further. Even if I do that, Father, I know that the Bible says that your word will go out and it will not return void, but it will accomplish every single thing that it's purposed for. My prayer today is that it will go out and touch hearts today. I know, Lord, that you've prepared in my heart a sermon for today, and I pray, Lord, that you give me the strength, the capability, the ability, the dunamis power to be able to preach this word. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So, without any further ado, let's open up in the book of Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 12. It says in verse 12, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, which is near Jerusalem. It is a Sabbath journey's away. Now, we know what happened at this point in time. You remember that Jesus was with them, and in front of His eyes, He was taken up with clouds to ascend into heaven. And let me just say, because I've heard it so many times, and I may have said it so many times, that when I see a day like today, and it's cloudy, it may be today that He's going to come on the clouds. I've heard so many people say that. Let's look at the clouds, but we've got no understanding. Because we were not there that day when it happened. Those clouds that came and took Him up into heaven, is not the clouds you see in the sky today. You know, one brother said to me once, he said, you know, when I wake up in the morning here in New Zealand, that was in New Zealand, and I look into the skies and there's no clouds in the skies. I can't rejoice because then Jesus can't come. He's going to come on the clouds. I said, brother, enjoy the day. If it's warm, enjoy the day. Be grateful because those clouds is not the clouds He's going to come on. It is going to be the clouds of God, the Sakaya glory of God. And, and you say to me, where is the example of that? Where is the proof of that? When you go back in the Old Testament, it said that when God came into their presence, what came down? Clouds. That is the kind of cloud. We, let me just tell you, we haven't seen those clouds. Nobody sitting here today has seen those clouds like they've seen it. When they walked through the wilderness, it was the people, the people of God, by day, they had the cloud which they followed. Do you think it was a rain cloud that they followed and the wind just blew it on into a direction? No, it was the clouds of God. It is the glory of God. And that is what makes it so wonderful today. So now they return back to Jerusalem. And they return back to Jerusalem with a promise in their hearts. What is the promise? You will receive dunamis. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see, all of a sudden, these men, they've lost Jesus twice now, if I can say. The first time they, they saw Him on the cross, not all of them, because they ran away. But the first time He was hanging on the cross, they lost Him to death, they thought. And now, the second time, when He went up on heaven, I don't see them frantically running around. They've got a promise in their hearts. They've got hope. They've got a future. And let me tell you, without Jesus Christ, you've got nothing. 
even as we sit here today and the Holy Spirit has already been poured out upon our lives, we've got so much promise and hope to look forward for tomorrow. You know, the worst thing and the worst place you can be is the place of hopelessness. I am not hopeless. I've got hope because there's a promise. What is our promise? He gave us a promise. And what is our promise? Somebody should say, he said, I'm going away, not to stay, but I'm coming back again. Who believe in that promise? You better believe in that. Because that gives you hope. These men came back to Jerusalem. And as they walked to Jerusalem, I can just but wonder what the conversation was amongst them as they walked. You see, there were people like us. And in verse 13 he says, And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, the son of and, uh, the, Simon the Zealot and Judas the son of James. These all continued. Everybody say all. Oh. They were with one accord. These all continued one accord in prayer and in supplication with the woman Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Now this is really interesting. It's the last time that you read about Mary. The last time. That you hear about her. I believe after this he might have gone and lived with John. The apostle whom Jesus loved. You remember when he was hanging on the cross. He looked down and the only, the only apostle who was standing at the cross. The disciple was John. And John was standing there. And Jesus looked at John and he says behold my mother. He says take my mother. Take care of my mother. He was the oldest son. And that was the task of the oldest son to take care of the family. But when Jesus passed on, when he, when he died, he looked at John and he said, Seize now in your hands, and we don't read about Mary after this. But, I want to come back to this part here. He says, and these all continued, one accord in prayer and in supplication. In prayer and in supplication. You see, here is a fascinating thing about God. If you study Him, as I've done it over so many years, if you read books about revivals, if you read about something big that's going to happen, it is always fascinating that God moved the hearts of people to pray. God moved the hearts of people to pray. Listen to me. If we as a church want God to do a work here in Karen Down, and that is my prayer now for the last six years, I pray, I come here in the mornings and I say, Father, let this be a light. It's just not by chance that God opened up this door for us here. Do you think so? You know, this place baffles people. You understand what that means? They go, how can you have a church in a funeral home? It baffles people. It doesn't make sense. It's like an oxymoron. Then home and you preach Jesus Christ who's alive. We're singing the songs. He's alive. He's risen. But yet we're doing it from this building. And by the way, there's no bodies down here to that, okay? But this is it. Why? How? You know, I pray, say, Lord, you've opened up this door. It's not by chance. Who believes in chance? In luck. You know, people go, are oh, you so lucky, lucky, lucky. No, luck has got nothing to do with it. God determined 
so many years ago, before the earth was even made, that this place will be here and you will be sitting here. And this is it, you know, if God moves, He brings the hearts of people to prayer. Prayer is important. Now, I can preach to you a, a sermon on prayer now. I can make a topic on prayer. I'm not going to do that right now. But I want you to understand that my prayer is, God, make a move here. Because I, I hope you understand that this is not just for you. I preached it last week. Why are you sitting here today? The only reason why you are sitting here today is that God wants to equip you to touch others. This is why you are saved. This is why we come together. This is my brother why we do this and we do that. This is why we fellowship with God. And he says there in, in 1 John, he says if we have fellowship with God, we will have fellowship with one another. This is why we come together. This is why I do this. Because there's people who's broken, who's going past this place. And here on the corner, next to Bunnings, the, one of the biggest retailers in Australia. Have you thought about how many cars of tradies goes in and out this road? I put the banners on that side. Do you think I just put them in there and go, where's, where's my young brother help me put it out the other day? I said to him, I said, Sean, when I put these banners in here, I pray and I pray, Lord, that somebody will see them. Brother, you saw the banners when you came past. Why? Oh, why? It is because these people who are hurting you need Christ. This is not about you. This is not about your ministry. This is not about me. This is not about my ministry. And honestly, if you come here because you like me, you're making a mistake. You need to come here because you want to serve God and be equipped so that you can touch others. So God moves hearts here towards prayer. These men, I find it fascinating when I read through the Bible, these men could have done so many things when they went back to Jerusalem. So many things. I always wondered, what would I have done if I was part of that party? You know, those brothers. Would I have gone back and said, man, let me just swing past the restaurant. You know, I'm hungry, I need to go and eat. You know, let's sit down and have a quick, you know, a, a tea party. You know, let's just do this, or let's get busy with this, or maybe I should go and see what my mum and my dad is doing, or, or my car needs new tires, preacher, you know that. And all of these things could have happened when these men were back. But I believe that God raised in their hearts an urgency to pray. Honestly, we need to pray in one accord. We come together now and I thank my, my brother and my sister for opening up the house. Once a month we go to the house on a Friday. Everybody's welcome. You're all, all I'm inviting everybody now on your behalf. But everybody is welcome to come. And you know what we do? We hear, we sing and we pray. We need to pray more as a church. We need to pray more as a church. What this world needs is more praying. More praying. There's so much preaching going on. But we need more praying. We need to fall on our knees and call out to a sovereign God, to a holy God, to a just God. And we need to pray. These men came back and they start. And I believe that God stirred in their hearts to start praying. You see, He's making them ready for something that's going to happen. 
He's making them ready. I want to share with you something. Early this year, I came to this place. It was, I was alone. And I prayed here, Lord. And, he, and I believe the Lord laid upon my heart that He's, he's going to send people this year. Are we ready? Are you ready? Don't look at me. Don't say, Pastor, but you need to be ready. I'm ready. Brother and sister, I'm ready. I pray. I say, Lord, send them. Because I want to deal with them. I want the Lord to send sinners through this place. So if you see somebody walking in here and they look like a sinner and they smell like a sinner, I don't want you to chase them away. Because I pray for them to come in here. Because this is the place where God's going to heal them. This is the place where God's going to clean them up. I've seen it with my own eyes. And I believe it as much as I stand in front of you. I believe it more than I see you. That God will bring them in. And you think, you think about your friends. My brother Glenn, he invited his friends. He says, come. And you think about your friends who need Jesus. Don't bring them to me. I tell you one thing. They're going to hear the gospel here. And you know what's going to clean them up? The gospel of Jesus Christ. He stirs these men's hearts. To come together and to pray. To pray. How is your prayer life? You say, oh, but you know. I don't want to get, oh, but you know. How is your prayer life? How is it? You're not called just to come and sit here and everybody sees you are called to work. You're going to stand before him one day and he's going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. What are you doing? What are you doing? So he stirs these people up and, and when I prepared for this, it laid upon my heart, why pray? To us now, I'm asking you a question. Why pray? You know, what is the benefit of praying? We hear that so many times these days, isn't it? In, in our world, brother, the ROI, you know, the return on investment. If I'm going to invest in prayer, what am I getting back? You know, there's so many sermons that you've heard about prayer, but I want to just give you a different sermon on prayer, okay? Why is prayer good for you? Have you ever thought about that? Now, we know that when we pray, we talk to God, and God speaks to us, and He gives us everything. But I've, I've come across a few. Now, there's more, but I'm just going to give you a few, okay? So, what is the benefit of prayer? In the first place, prayer releases anxiety. It's fascinating, isn't it? You never thought of prayer like that, didn't you? The world, the first thing, if you're anxious, what do they say? Run to the psychologist. Oh, just take this little pill and it will put you on a trip and you'll feel better. Now, I'm not going to eat those things. But here is a fascinating, in my life, I can tell you, I'm an anxious person. You look at me, no way, you're anxious. No, no. Yes, there's sometimes I get anxious. And you know, here is the fascinating thing, what I've found in my life. Every single time I go on my knees and I start praying to God, the anxiety is released. And this is it, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, where Paul writes, he says, be anxious for nothing. The word anxious there means to worry, to fret. Do you know what that means? Fret, F-R-E-D or T. Fret, you work it out. Fret. <laughs> anxious. And we all, we all get the 
this. I'm going to show this to you. Don't sit here and point to your wife or your husband or your children. He says, be anxious for nothing, but, brother Oral, sharp contrast, isn't it? But in every, oh, you know I was going to do it every time. <laughs> but in everything, everybody say everything. everything. Now, what, does that mean only in the good times? No, no, he ties this. I, I love the word of God. You need to understand how wonderful God has put his word together. He ties anxiety to everything. Have you noticed that? He says, be anxious, which we all are for nothing, but in everything, in your anxiety, by psychology, <laughs> by prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. By prayer, what do you do? And supplication. Let me explain to you just quickly what a supplication is. A supplication is, is you've got a letter and you put in there in, in, in print and you give it over to somebody and you say, I submit to you now my request. That person takes the request and he puts it into his file of work to do. The moment you hand over your supplication, it's done. You can do nothing about it. That means if you pray to God and you give somebody's name or your circumstance to God as a supplication, who are you then to go back to God and say, oh, excuse me, just, just give it back here. <laughs> I want to do some stuff on it first before I give it back to you. This is how wonderful it is in prayer. First thing it is, it is releases anxiety. He says with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Again, I bring you back to the Word of God, which is so wonderfully woven. It says anxiety is connected to everything, is connected to... Doesn't make sense, is it? But, you know, the child of God, the Christian, don't make sense to the world. What Paul is saying, if you are so anxious, come to Lord in prayer and thank Him. Start praising God. You need to say, preaching in my difficult time? Yes. Because something happens. You see, God has put your mind so together, this brain that sits in here. If you think about this, Daniel did this. What did Daniel do in times of anxiety? What did he do? He went to pray. They said, you can't pray. Stop praying. Why? Why do you think those people said stop praying? Because they knew that prayer is doing something for people. He opened up his windows and what did he do? Oh Lord, it is so tough here in Babylon. No, he started praying. And you know what God did the first thing? He took away his anxiety. In the lion's den took away the anxiety. But here's the fascinating thing how we are made. You see, our brain has got one part in it which is called the amygdala. The amygdala. And this is an important thing to have. Everybody's got it. You've got it, I've got it. This is the part in your brain when, when something comes to you, danger comes to you. This is the part that says to you, fight or run. Fight or flight. You know that? We've all got that. And it's so wonderful that God gave us that. Because if there is a tiger snake coming to you at speed, you can't have in that brain something that goes, oh, you ought to see what this is going to be about. 
No, no, there's something that needs to be in your brain that says, Tiger snakes here, brother, you're coming, it's really dangerous, poisonous snakes down here, coming from Ireland or from, from Europe. But, but here's the thing, if you see that tiger snake, the amygdala tells you what? Run! Fly, you know, flight! And they say, we need to have this. But here's the problem for you and for me. It's also the place where anxiety comes in and it occupies that space. That when we come into an anxious situation, then some of us, instead of doing what God says we need to do, we run away. We go and hide. We go into a corner. We want to sit in the darkness. Or some people want to fight it. This is how you are wired up here. This is how I am wired up here. Now I thank God that He just didn't leave us like that. You see, because God is a complete God. When He created the universe, He, com he completely created it. Because on the front of your brain is what's called the prefrontal cortex. I'm giving you a little bit of a bio bio biology lesson here today. But, the, but this cortex, this is why the front of the head is so wonderful. You see, because God knew He made that other thing in there, the amygdala, now He gave you the frontal cortex. And this is a place which is responsible for logical thinking. It makes up 10% of your brain. This is where everything is formed, in the front of your brain. And this is now where it comes in, where it balances itself. That when you come into an anxious place, Logical thinking needs to come in now and you need to talk it through. You need to ask yourself the question, that which I'm anxious of, is it true or is it false? Now I know, when you get anxious you don't have the time to do that, do you? You just run for the door. And this is where prayer comes in. Because if you go on your knees and you start talking to God, you know what you start doing? You are logically Telling God what is happening in your mind. Now, by the way, He knows already what's happening in your mind. Because He knows your mind and your heart. He knows it already. But here is the fascinating things. The endorphins and everything in your brain starts flowing into the right places if you start talking to God in prayer and you start becoming less anxious. So this is why prayer is so good for you. Amen? Is that better than pills and medicine? What is the second reason why prayer is good for you? Prayer solves problems. Who knows that? Prayer solves problems. So a lot of people, if they've got problems, who they go to? The problem solver. Some, in some families, it's dad. In some families, it's mom. In some families, it's even your children or your boss or somebody like that. Yes, it's good to go to them. But brothers and sisters, we as children of God, we've got the counselor. In heaven, he sees the Son is born unto us. He's the mighty counselor. And in prayer, when you come to him and you pray to him, he solves your problems. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given unto you. You see, here is the fascinating thing. God knows everything. Who knows that? He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent and he understands every situation. He's an interceder. He sits with God on the right hand of God when he intercedes for you. So prayer 
is good for your anxiety, it's good for your problems, and then prayer builds confidence. I love this one. Prayer builds confidence. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who, who quoted that verse in their lives? I've quoted. I've quoted so many times. Some mornings when I wake up and I know I've got a busy day ahead of me and I know I've got a few really critical discussions that I need to have during that day and I know I've got this meeting and that meeting. You know when I pray to God in the mornings, I say, Father, I thank you. Give me wisdom for the day. But I also know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I know the purest will come out here and say, but brother, you're putting it out of context. That's fine. But I'm not preaching that out of context. I am praying it and I say, Father, I want to do everything today and I want your help. And you know what? He gives me that confidence. Think of David, for instance. You remember David when he came up against Goliath? He came up against Goliath in 1 Samuel 1745. And he said to that Philistine, he said to him, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. Who feels that the world sometimes come to them like that? They come to you with everything they've got. They won't even throw the kitchen sink in there if they can. And you know what he said? I love it. And I can see it in my mind's eyes. Now David comes up against this massive, this, this, you know, this massive man. And everybody looked at him and said, look at Goliath. Wow. What, what a homo, homo sapien is that man? What a big, strong fellow is that? I want to be his friend. He's not David's friend. You know, he came to him and he says, but, Brother Oral, he says, but, sharp contrast. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. What do you think gave David that confidence? Do you think he just walked up there and says, Oh, you know, he looks, he looks small, man. Maybe he was standing up high and standing on a distance. Who knows that distance shrinks stuff? You know, just go up in an airplane and you look down. The biggest thing looks really small if you go, if you put distance in it. He looks on the distance and says, look at that small guy over there. Oh man, when he came close, he said, oh, you know, maybe second thoughts here. No, no. He had confidence in God. Where did he get it from? He was a shepherd boy. What did he do as a shepherd boy? The Bible gives a, a graphical, in, in, you know, explanation of what he did. He spoke with God. He was sitting with the sheep. He was looking at the trees. And he was talking to God about this. You say, where's your proof? Go and read the Psalms. If you read through the Psalms and you tell me that he was just a madman sitting there writing down mad thoughts, then, then brother, sister, you know, we need to talk. No, no. He spoke to God and a lot of those conversations that he prayed it was written down in the book of Psalms. And you know, this is why he killed the lion. He killed the bear. What did he do? Then when this man came, he says, man, whether I stand here on a distance and you look small, or whether I walk right up to you and you are tall, I don't care. Because I've got the confidence of my God. Where did he get the confidence in prayer? If you want confidence in life, pray. Prayer brings peace of mind. Who knows that? Peace of mind. Isn't it wonderful what prayer do? 
What will you do? Isaiah 4, 26 verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What will he do? He will keep you in perfect peace. Brother, sister, listen to me today. If you've lost your peace, how is your prayer life? If you want your peace back, Go back on your knees. Go back on your knees and cry out to God. And this is the thing, whose mind is stayed on you. How do we stay our mind on him? Now, I'm, by far, I'm, I'm working in the world, I've got a job. I'm like Paul, I'm building things. And I have the thing talk, you know, the jargon thing talk. <laughs> okay, let me bring it back. I work in a retail company and I've got the retail jargon. I can talk retail, man, I can talk value. you. I mean, Christmas and the other day, myself, we were talking retail, and I can talk that talk. I've been learned that way. Now, I'm not saying you need to walk with the Bible out of your house under the arm the whole time, the whole day. This is what the Pharisees did. No, no, and I'm not saying that you need to lie there for five hours. And, no, 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 I live a Christian life, which means I study the Word of God, I put that in my heart. And I pray in the mornings, but when I get in my car, it's not stopping. I sometimes drive on the Monas, the Monas, Monas, whatever you want to call it. I drive on that Monas, and these people are hooting and tooting, and I speak to God. I speak to Him. I, I sometimes sit in that traffic, and there's a scripture verse, let's take it, I can do all things through Christ. And I literally sit there and I have a conversation with God. I said, Father, I had the scripture verse coming over this morning. Um, I can do all things. You know you were there. He's there when you prayed. Did you know that? You heard my prayer. And, and this one, let's discuss this, Lord. And then I start meditating on that verse. Sometimes I've got a little piece of paper. I put it there where my phone is with a scripture verse. And I don't, don't hold it in my hand. I don't want to get a fine. I just put it down there. And, I, and, and as I drive, I take the next and I discuss that with God. How wonderful is that? And you know what happens? There's peace. There's peace. Yes, you get rattled, but you come back to that. And this is what is the benefit. I've got two more for you. Prayer help you to understand God's will. You know how many people come to you and say, I don't understand what God wants from me. Well, start praying. Start asking. Psalm 143 verse 10. Teach me your will. For you are my God. Your spirit good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Where do you seek the kingdom of God? Yes. On your knees. In the word. You're not going to find him out there. You're going to find him in here. Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And then, brothers and sisters, prayer brings us to forgiveness. One of the biggest problems in people's lives is unforgiveness. It is, it is like a bad, I wanted to say cancer, but I don't want to even use that word. It is bad for people to have unforgiveness. It is, it is not good for your health. It's unhealthy to have unforgiveness. And if you go to prayer, I can tell you because I pray, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart on your knees, it will get sorted out. The Lord will bring it to you in prayer. You will pray in 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So is prayer good? Yes. 
Is prayer good, church? Yes. It's a different prayer teaching this morning, isn't it? There is benefit in prayer. It is fascinating that other religions grab onto that. If you go to the Buddhist, what will they say? Prayer, meditate. And you know what? They do it. And the whole world is grabbing onto them. They shouldn't grab onto the, onto the Buddhists. The Buddhists can't give them nothing. Only Christ can. If you go to Islam, what do they do? They value their prayers. Come on, church. Let us open up our hearts to the Lord. These men came together in one accord. And when they started praying, the Lord, we're going to see in the next few weeks what happens there now. It is not because of the prayer that Pentecost happens. But God started preparing them in prayer for Pentecost. I want to make that clear.